Are you bored during the offseason and are going to try to get into hockey? Well, that's what we're here to help you with. Dominic Lorenz of Catella Chronicles tries to catch up potential Ducks fans to what the Ducks are doing this season. And of course, the boys talk baseball. Come on in and enjoy the show. And viva Los Angelitos and welcome to Halos of the Infield with our friend Dominic Lorenz from Catella Chronicles. Dominic, let's pretend like we haven't been talking for 20 minutes. How are you, my friend? Oh, things are well back here in Southern California. I know you're, uh, you're in a different state than usual. Well, kind of the same for you a little bit. Yeah, I haven't been here in like two months, but prior to that, I came once a month for two years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know. Once they gave Chicago to one of my coworkers, I had a little bit of FOMO and I was like, man, I miss Chicago. Now that I'm back here, I'm like, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why did I ask for Chicago back? But Hey, deep dish pizza, hibachi dinners, pick your places. It all works. Yeah. You know, I, I have, I have Sundays off because the company that we work in association with, or we work for, if you will, uh, they're our primary client. They're closed on Sundays. So I'm going to be stuck in Chicago with nothing to do on Sunday. You know, obviously baseball season for the Chicago sports teams are done. Um, the you Bulls maybe- are out of town. The Blackhawks are out of town. Any the only team in town. Bears? Yeah. The only team in town is the Bears, but the cheapest single ticket I can get is like $150. <laughs> and I'm not going to pay $150 for a single game. Especially for good old Soldier Field. Yeah, $150 at that place is a, they call it a landmark for a reason. Yeah, it's a weird stadium. How like the outside looks like a, a rundown coliseum, right? It, and then you it, have like a state of the art stadium built inside of that. The outside of it reminds me a lot of the old Qualcomm Stadium. Yeah, kind of that old retro concrete jungle vibe. And then, while well, Qualcomm was worse on the inside, I'm pretty sure Chicago's better. But still, it's you know 150 bucks. But hey, that's probably cheap for some places. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll figure out something to do. Obviously, there'll be some sleeping in. I mean, a couple months ago, I went to the Six Flags by myself because I had some extra time. Maybe I'll have to do that again. Who knows? Yeah. You we'll make figure do, it out. You may do with your time in Chi-Town over there in Chicago. Yeah, you know, this whole like, oh, well, go explore the city. Guys, I've been coming here essentially once a month for two years. I mean, there's nothing to explore. I don't point. need to explore. <laughs> I, I am the city. I am the city of Chicago now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, boy. So a lot of things in sports, baseball, hockey. Yeah. Where do you want to start? So much to get into. Let's let's end with some uh, with like a ducks for dummies segment, if you will. You know, you can try to catch a me up. I'm not a ducks fan, so I'm not too familiar with their situation. You know, I know they're in a rebuild. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, any of our listeners, for instance, uh, Fast Times Under the Halo, he's starting to get into hockey. So anybody else who might be on the same boat as Randy, let's catch them up. Let, let's teach them a little bit about the Ducks so that, A, they can follow Catella Chronicles, which is the best cross uh, the cross promotion, theme. I guess you could say, cross theme, cross promotion. Yeah, you cover both Anaheim teams the best. There you go. There you, you go. You can follow, A, Catella Chronicles, and, B, you can follow the Ducks to get you to Angels baseball because, I mean – we have a lot of baseball off season. We got to get through. We got to get through like a third of the year here. And yeah. then we can finally get to the days where the angels can get our hopes up in spring training and tear them down <laughs> a month into the season all over again. It's the repetitive cycle over and over. Hopefully maybe 
God will be nice to us and 2023 will be the opposite of that. Well, this year you're touching the bats <laughs> in the dugout, buddy. Yeah, I will touch things and maybe I will have the better luck this year. Gloves, mitts, helmets, um, knee, elbow guards, ankle guards. Yeah, I'm going to be um, smacking helmets like they're bongos. Yeah, maybe I'll get into the equipment bags. We can have better road trips too. Let's oh, do that. there you go. Add in the equipment bags. Let's do that. Maybe lineup cards. There you go. Lick the lineup cards. Lick the, you know, see, I'm, I'm going the extra step further that we need to go for this team. The Angels need yeah. a lot of help. That's how it's going to help it. You got to be devoted to the craft because <laughs> this man, Artie Moreno, is not devoted to, to the craft. I mean, man, there's just so much stuff about this clown that just – I wish could go out there into the universe, but you yeah. know, you know, we just, we, we can't, we're not at liberty to say, you we know, really if we, aren't. if we were getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars by investigators, I'm more than willing to let it out onto the open air, but we aren't, we are good hearted people um, that we, we hate it, but we have to live with it at the same time. So yeah. we work with it. We, we do the best we can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, we do. So speaking of best we can, let's talk about the Phillies real quick and what they've done to this point of the World Series. You think the Phillies are doing the best they can? I mean, they were no hit. The Astros combined for a no hitter. Was it four or five pitchers? Four pitchers. Four pitchers combined for a no hitter. Something that I goes without saying is super rare in the sport of baseball. I mean, Roy Halladay got a no-hitter a couple, like a decade ago? Yeah, about a decade ago during the, the – that was with the Phillies, I believe, at the time. That wasn't that, the Toronto – that was the Phillies days, not the Blue Jays days. Correct. That was with the Phillies, but that was a playoff game, right? I don't think it was correct. a World Series game. It was a playoff game. No, I think it was a perfecto in the postseason. But this no-hitter for the Astros, which was – I yeah, I was correct. Four pitchers, Javier uh, Abreu, Montero, and Presley combined for the – Second no-hitter in World Series history. So slap that on a bumper sticker, put it on the Mount Rushmore. You know, for as much as we, I guess we could say, dislike the Houston Astros. I know there's other teams we dislike more. Todd, for example, hates the Dodgers, for example. He loves the, the Dodgers, Dodgers too. <laughs> we all hate the Dodgers. You know, we hated Seattle this year because of the rivalry. And, you know, there's the Yankees are annoying or, you know, there's always something. But the Houston Astros, as much as they are annoying to us because they're in our division, it sucks, but we have to tip the cap for such a quality team. They've been in the ALCS since 2017. They are now in the World Series yet again, and they're trying to win, I guess we could say, a legitimate World Series this time around. I know 2017 will always have that asterisk, and that will never go away. So this could be one year that they could finally get the monkey off their back. I don't think Dodger fans are going to allow them. Even if this was an absolute, investigated, legitimate World Series, Dodger fans will never hear the end of it. But regardless if they win or not, this is a no-hitter. It is a historic moment, and you do have to tip your cap of it at the end of the day, regardless if it was for the Phillies or if it was for the Astros, and this time it was for the Astros. Yeah, you might want to – any Astros fans who might have stumbled upon this accidentally, you might want to take this sound clip because one of the only nice things I'll ever say about the Astros – Yes, absolutely. You got to tip your cap. It, it's still baseball history. You know, I'll give the devil or the devils their due in this case. You know, four pitchers combined to do something special in baseball history. You know, as Angels fans, we win this baseball history often between Otani and Trout. We get to see, and you know, even Pujols, the end of his career, we got to see a lot of historic things. 
that in 15 or 20 years when they're getting replayed on, you know, I don't want to see ESPN because they probably won't be around that long. <laughs> you know, they're getting replayed on MLB YouTube. Network. I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they probably won't be around either in 20 years. Television. What is television? Yeah, right. Um, but w- w- what I'm getting that is that, you know, these things in 20 years are things that people are going to be talking about. You know, hey, we got to witness that. Hey, I remember when that happened live. You know, I've said it before, and I'm going to keep on saying it until I feel it's no longer true. We are truly in the golden age of baseball, my friend. You know, my parents, my dad will beg to differ. My grandfather will beg to differ. Like, oh, well, I got to watch Willie Mays play. Great. Cool, brother. You can have Willie Mays. Yeah, he was a great player, but he wasn't Shohei Otani. He wasn't Mike Trout. You know, I got to see Barry Bonds for the bulk of his career, too. You know, I got to see Albert Pujols the entirety of his career. There's just so much talent and so many historic events that we've gotten to see from a baseball sense that, you know, that's at least the one positive to being alive during like the time period we've been alive on. We're roughly the same age, you know, sure. We've got to see some other crappy things, Yeah, but uh, yeah. I I think it's going to come to a point now where, you know, it's always like that saying, you never know what you have until it's gone. And I think we, I think we don't know truly how lucky we are and in what this generation of baseball holds until maybe 10 years from now when, you know, I hate to say it, when the Trouts and the Harpers and the Juan Sotos retire, when that, the next era of baseball retire, then we'll realize, oh my gosh, we saw so much in this era. So that's why I think baseball, we all know, is America's passing. It's a generational sport. The Bonds, the Maguires, the Sosas, and then, you know, the Willie Mays, the Babe, you know, it's all generational and it goes through the years and that's perfectly fine. I think just for us being similar ages in this generation of baseball, we will not know what we truly had until the Trouts and the Harpers and the Juan Sotos and the Otanis retire from the game. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, and baseball is has a built-in advantage right now where they're really, really starting to become a little more globalized, right? You know, you have the the Japanese audience now embracing the game in a way they never have before because they have their guy, Shohei Otani. Yes, Japan has had multiple great players who have come out. You know, uh, Matsui, uh, Suzuki, you know, the really the list goes on and on. Yeah. I, I can be here for 10 minutes naming yeah, great Japanese players. But, you know, Shohei Otani is their guy. And, I mean, can you blame them? He's the most no. talented player in baseball today you know obviously tons of dominicans cubans you know mexicans you know it's truly becoming a global game now maybe not to the extent of soccer you know that's a little unfair basis yes yeah it's a little unfair i think soccer will kind of always be the world's game because you know i without sounding completely like a terrible human being you know, soccer is a lot cheaper for somebody to play in a poor country than baseball. If I don't have a lot of money, you know, my family, they can probably afford a soccer ball. And then that's good enough. Yeah. But, you know, they might not be able to afford a bat, a ball, and a glove. I mean, you know, half half of the country, or the world doesn't even have air conditioning, let alone yeah. money to get a glove and a bat and, you know, <laughs> cleats. That's, so, why the, that's why the stick ballers in the Dominican, like Vlad Guerrero, was – Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, a cap, 
a stick and bare feet in the dirt. Like every country has their, you know, has their own identity of baseball. And that's perfectly fine because that's what helps evolve the game of baseball. And baseball's starting to do that now. You know, they're going to be going to London next year for a series out in, you know, in Europe, which is going to be great. You see, oh, they do that again? They're doing it again. It's going to be, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I just Googled this when we were talking about the winter meetings being in San Diego. Um, I want to say, as I Google this, because, you know, here we like to have the, the finest information for you fans. Next year, after the World Baseball Classic, and it's a perfect segue, uh, June 24th and 25th, the Cardinals and the one and only Chicago Cubs in your location, look at that transition. We'll yeah, right. be in London, England for a two-game series next okay. season. At least, at least it's not Yankees Red Sox again. I know the Yankees and Red Sox put on a show over there. What was that? 2018, 2019? Yes. I mean, it was pre-COVID for sure. It was pre-COVID because I remember the Angels went to Mexico with the Astros. Yep. And got and, their cheeks clapped by the Astros, yeah. <laughs> hey, David Fletcher had a great home run against Justin Verlander. It was great for about three minutes. Did Trout get a home run that series? He was out, he was out that series, wasn't he? Was that when he had the calf in nineteen? Or my I think back- he might. I think he was. I think he was out. He I might don't have think- been out because it wasn't the same Angels that we were accustomed to. We're going to be Hello. on the. We're now going to be on the search for this information. Yeah, I'm like I'm going to look this up while we're. We are now we're, we're searching talking. for information as we talk. But as as Fernando researches that, I will say this. Baseball, as I mentioned before, is starting to become better globalized market. There is still a long, long way to go for Rob Manfred and the whole organization, Major League Baseball, to be as popular as soccer or football or even basketball. And one way to cure that would probably to be end blackouts when on the MLB.com streaming site or, you know, games on Apple TV or Peacock or other things. Stop making it harder for fans, especially the younger fans, to watch the game. Again, luckily, this no-hitter in the World Series is broadcasted on national television. Anybody can watch it. But what happens when Reed Detmers throws a no-hitter against Tampa back in May? East Coasters are asleep. Or if you're living in California but are not watching Valley Sports West, you're blacked out. So you got to expand it to the game. And I feel if you can open that door to get more eyes on your game, it will help evolve, especially with the new rule changes that are coming next year as well. Yeah, baseball's kind of always had an issue properly uh, marketing themselves. You know, baseball, if they did it right, could easily be the second most, you know, popular sport in the world. As of right now, it's, I mean, you know, besides like, you know, tennis and things like that, if we're talking about the major sports, what would you say number two is basketball maybe? Probably on a global scale, it's it's soccer's one. Of course. It, it, it's got to be a tie between football and basketball. I would probably say basketball is maybe a little bit more favored than football just because. You really, you, you really think American football it would be second? I mean, outside of Canada and, you know, Europe now, nobody cares. Yeah, it, you know, it's hard to say because I know the NFL is trying to do the games and, you know, England and Munich, and they're trying to expand the game as well. But probably in the grand scheme of things, I would probably put basketball as that number two. I think the gap between uh, basketball at two and football at three 
is closer in the last couple of years, maybe just because of the era that we're in, but basketball is still a global game. You have, you know, NBA, but then you also have leagues in Asian countries and Australia. Look at the Olympics. There's Olympic basketball for a reason, not Olympic American football. So I would probably put soccer, basketball, American football, and then baseball is in the four hole because just within America, North America, football is better than baseball, just based on popularity, just, just fantasy football. You might not even like a team. Fantasy football is more popular than baseball as a whole. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just casual baseball fan or sorry, football fans who I know play fantasy football, you know, they don't really watch a lot, but you know, they have a fantasy football team. Why? Because, you know, my friend has it or the people in the office have it. Yeah. So, you know, it, you don't, it's very you, normal to have. You don't hear many fantasy baseball teams. You know, you the have- problem with fantasy baseball is that you have to babysit it for a full season. And I just don't think a lot of people have the commitment level. No, football is once a week. Basketball, you know, it's a couple games a week. I think most people can handle that, but that's as much as the intention span can go. Baseball, 162 games within 180 days. You have that, those are the people that are getting money and doing it because they love it and they're good at it, not just the casual fan. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, um, but, but it's, it's, it's still a situation where baseball needs to continue to grow. And in the grand scheme of things, in World Series, World Series is the, you know, the, the, you know, the end of year for baseball, the trophy gets lifted. And to have a no hitter, regardless of the team it is in the World Series where everybody's eyes are on those two squads, that's a good thing for baseball to have. So if it was the Astros, great for them. If it was, I hate to say it, if it was the Dodgers, if it was the Yankees, I don't think for the popularity and for the sake of baseball, I don't think I mind a no hitter regardless of who it was. So I think it was a positive thing. And it really you know, propelled Houston back in the series. They were down 2-1, then they were tied. And then with a close 3-2 victory last night, or, you know, as we record this show, um, they now have a 3-2 series lead and on going back home on the verge of winning their first title since 2017. Yeah, and, you know, nobody needs to win this series more than Houston does. And what I mean by that is, uh, and we talked a little bit about this in the, pre- in the group chat we all have. If the Astros were to lose this series against the Phillies, we're all of a sudden talking about a quote-unquote baseball dynasty that's essentially been a failure. You know, we're talking about them in the same light that people talk about the Braves. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, they had one of the best pitch staffs of all time, but they could never win the big game. They won one title with three Hall of Fame pitchers. You know, we're talking about the Houston Astros who have won, you know, one title, maybe two titles, you know, by the time the, this World Series is over in the span of five years. But there's, or what, seven, eight years, really? Because they've been seven, dominant for a, a while now. This would be year six since they won in 17 and beat the Dodgers. So, yeah, but, you know, even before that, they were still making the playoffs for, what, like a year or two prior to that? Yeah. Since like 15, 16 is when they started to get hot. So we're starting to approach, we're getting close to a decade now where the Astros yeah. have really been a pinnacle of the American league, let's say, since they've only won one title, they've just been, they've, it's almost like back in the day, like the new England Patriots in football with Tom Brady, 
they were always in the AFC title game. They were always at the Super Bowl. Even if they didn't win, they were there. But Tom Brady won multiple championships. Exactly. You know, I don't think that Tom Brady is has ever been the best quarterback in football, but he's always been the best winner in football. I hate the guy, mm-hmm. but he's the best winner in football. You yeah. can't argue with it. Is he the best quarterback? Has he ever been the most talented quarterback? No. Are you yeah. kidding me? He was not more talented than Peyton Manning was. I'm taking Peyton Manning or a prime, hell, even Drew Brees yeah. over Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was obviously the better winner. But once and, you get to – you would change it. In the regular season, you would take somebody. But once you get to postseason and when something's on the line, the winner – you know, as they always say, the winners come out in yep. crunch time. The guy and, knew how to win every time. Exactly. So this is just a prime – the Astros are just a team – that win at the right time, but they have done it in the regular season because guess what? You got to win in the regular season to get to the dance. Some, some, some teams can do it with 88 wins and some teams can do it with 111 wins. Doesn't matter. As long as you get to the dance, you have a seat at the table and can go compete now. And it's a whole new ball game. Everybody goes back to zero. And and that's the beauty of baseball. You know, that's what Todd and I hated. We had an episode about this where we were talking about how, you have all these butthurt Dodger fans who are like, oh, well, they should have automatically gotten to at least a seat in the World Series. And I'm like, no, no, that's the beauty in baseball. You can't buy yourself a ring. It doesn't matter how hot you were in the regular season. Once you get to the dance, everyone's got zero wins, baby. Yep. The momentum typically actually goes to the team with the worst record. They typically have the momentum. You know, you saw a team like the Padres who were simply hot at the right time mm-hmm. beat the juggernaut that was the Dodgers. And that, my friend, is why I like baseball. That, my friend, is why we are in a golden age of baseball. And that, in my opinion, is why baseball is the most beautiful game in the world. You don't get that with football. It was the Patriots, like you said, every single year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the Packers making it to the, you know, what the, the championship game every yeah. single year. You know, they barely ever made it to the Super yeah. Bowl. That's the other year. It was the, you know, Patriots, Packers, Steelers, Niners. Yeah. There's always those Lakers, teams. Celtics, you know, there's always those core sports. teams, the core yep. teams, even if it's not 10 core teams, but there's always at least one or two of those 10 core teams that find their way in it. Baseball is always different. And there's yep. two there's two things you're, to your point I want to address. One okay. is, I completely agree with you. It's not who has the best record. It's always the team, as we know, especially in the new playoff format, that gets hot the last month of September that carries into the postseason. Look at the Dodgers. They were hot in May, June, July, August, and then they coasted in September, and that coasting hurt, hurt them in the first round of the playoffs against the Padres, they get knocked out. Padres had won, I think, 18 of their final 24 or something. They were coming in hot. Last year, the Atlanta Braves, four games out of first, at 500 at the All-Star break, and they get hot in the second half of the season and go win the World Series. It's always about getting hot, and baseball is the ultimate team sport. Basketball, you can have two or three guys win the championship. Hockey, Tough a little bit, too. That one's probably second to baseball. Football, you have a good quarterback, a good running back, and a good defense or a mixture of both. You can squeak by. Baseball is one of those sports that it's a team. We constantly talk about this as Angel fans. 
when is Mike Trout going to get the playoffs? He deserves a ring. He's earned a ring. Has Mike Trout statistically earned a ring? Absolutely. He's one of the best players that have ever played the game of baseball. But here's a serious discussion we got to have now. If the Phillies win game six and seven in Houston and surprise the Astros, Bryce Harper's going to win a ring before Mike Trout. And we've always talked about, again, four or five years ago, who's going to be the best in baseball? Trout, Harper, or at the time, Yasiel Puig. Puig doesn't have a ring. Harper doesn't have a ring. Trout doesn't have a ring. So Harper could be one of those first three. And that's something Angel fans might have to accept in a conversation about Mike Trout until Mike gets an opportunity with the Angels. Here's the thing. Bryce Harper has had a group of owners around him for the bulk of his career, at least the last, you know, seven, eight years, the last couple of years with the Nationals mm-hmm. and now with the Phillies who have a plan. The problem with the Angels over the last, really the last decade is that they haven't had a real sense of direction. You know, they get these stopgap guys. They sign, you know, a couple of these big name free agents, but they've yet to sign the right free agents. Dave Dombrowski is a winner. Mm -hmm. You know, did I want him here in Anaheim? Not necessarily. Would it have been cool to win a title? Sure. But what I didn't want was for the Angels to win one ring or maybe even just make it one time and not win. Like, look at the Mets in 2015 and then just fade your relevance. That's what I did not want to happen to us. You know, because we know what's going to happen. Okay, let's just say the Phillies win this year. Okay. Let's just say next year they make another deep run. Okay, the year after that, eventually their luck's going to run out. And knowing Dave Dombrowski's teams, all of a sudden, this team's going to suck for the next yeah. decade. They're going to have to rebuild. You know, and that's the thing with Dave Dombrowski. He builds these championship caliber teams, and then eventually yeah. they have to come down. And there's no farm system. He's, fi- he's, about a, he's the type of GM that's five years of a quality team, five years horrible then you build it back up it's just it's a constant cycle but the question some teams are okay with that though some teams are okay because it keeps them relevant because they know okay these five years were going to be relevant then we can prepare for the next five years of being not relevant and then it's a pattern and you know organizations like pattern now for me if the phillies win and let's say the phillies stay competitive for the next five years. Remember, Bryce Harper signed that massive deal. He's going to be there like Trout through the rest of his career. Um, they have some young talent over there. Um, you know, Brandon Marsh. That Brandon Marsh kid is so good. I know he's not the best at batting, but he comes in pretty clutch every once in a while. And he's got some good hair and some good beard action. The Angels could use a guy like that. You know, I wonder. Yeah, how, they I should wonder, trade for him. I wonder what type of trade it would take to get Brandon Marsh back. Oh, did I say back? I mean, get him. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I, I, you know, I get why the, you know, at the end of the day, I get why the angels did it. Is it going to pan out for both sides? If Logan Ohapi ends up being an all-star kind of like a JT Rayamuto catcher, then I guess you could say it worked out. But right now in the short scheme of things, I'm still on the Brandon Marsh train over the Joe Adele train. That starts a whole nother conversation, but back to the point I have. Yeah, well, you're not a big Joe Adele guy. <laughs> the you fans know, know that. The you listeners know, know that. I appreciate his talent. He just, he, I know the up and down train is not great for any player. So that yeah. I'm not going to hit against him. 
But at some point, you got to produce. You were a first-round pick. The Angels put a lot of stock. If you can't produce, we have another Brandon Wood, Dallas McPherson syndrome happening. (laughs) That's what I want the Angels to avoid. So that's why I'm very low on Adele. I hope, nothing against the guy. I 100% hope he proves me absolutely wrong and I eat so much crow, I get sick. That's the best thing. I would rather... You need someone's curl to call you Aussie. Yeah, like I would I would want that. I want that situation where I'm sitting here eating crow than being, well, I told you we had another Brandon Wood. I want him to prove me wrong. So nothing against, you know, Joe Adele. I just, prove me wrong, Joe. Let's go. Um, but back to the back to the whole, you know, talk of Dave Dombrowski and his style of GM. If the Phillies win, if they stay competitive for five, six years, basically, let's say through the rest of Harper's tenure, I'm not saying they win every year, but at least they make the postseason and they're competitive. Can we as Angel fans say hiring Manassian over Dombrowski was a mistake? That depends. It's It's a loaded question because there's a lot of factors and puzzle pieces that go on with it. Let me say this. So far... There's been no difference between Billy Epler and Perry, right? Yeah. There's been no difference, you know. Maybe we're the, still not the, winning. The you farm know, system's a little stronger. I think that's maybe the only difference you could put out there. Okay, maybe, but we're also still have a lot of those Billy Epler guys who have, you know, who are yeah. still brewing down there, or the Billy Epler guys who are now coming up to help the major league team. Patrick Sandoval, you know. Max Stassi, for better or worse, last season, you know, he he's, was still a Billy Upper guy. He came over in a trade. You know, Luis Renjifo, Jose Suarez, you know, Shohei Otani was, was signed as an international free agent from Billy Epler. So I said it before. Todd made fun of me. I always said that Billy Epler was never the issue. I don't – just going off of what I know, I don't think Perry's the issue either. You know what the common denominator is? It's this man right here, this beautiful, beautiful man with this – oh, with this little mustache. How I just like to lick the milk off his mustache. Oh, Artie, Artie. Oh, Tony. We can't do the Todd – we can't do the Todd voice. Sorry, we can't do it justice. I'm not trying to replace Todd. I'm simply trying to compliment Todd. He's not here, though. Hey, 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 it's Todd Fox from Halos in the Infield. Have you ever thought of owning your own Amazon store? Amazon is making a killing nowadays. I've been hearing a lot of buzz about people making additional income through Amazon. And that's what we all need to do, especially with the price of gas soaring, food prices on the rise, and the economy taking a fall. So why not make some extra money? So there's this company I know about called Riley Ecom who can help you set your own store up without having to spend hours learning how to run it. They do everything for you. So if anyone is interested in knowing more about owning an Amazon store or has any questions at all, please call Jason at Riley Ecom at 562-455-7154. Tell him that Todd Fox sent you. Once again, that's 562-455-7154. Because who can use some easy money right now and some extra money? I know I can. How about you? Uh, no, I, I've been saying this for a long time as well as, you know, at Catella Chronicles. There's a common denominator, and his name is Artie Moreno. It yep. doesn't matter if it was Tony Regans, Billy Epler, Jerry Depoto, and now Perry Manassian. 
name let's name if we could do this name three things Artie Moreno has done right during his ownership of the Angels three well, things. See, according according to uh, Roger Lodge he drafted 20 pitchers he you know what I mean like every time you bring up Artie in a negative light Roger immediately hangs up on you and he's like oh let's talk about all the things that Artie's done I'm a brother Artie didn't grasp 20 pitchers. You know, did he tell Perry to maybe go a little heavier on pitching? Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, let's talk about the bad things that Artie's done. Oh, that's right. We can't talk about some of them. Correct. I'm not at liberty to say. We can't. But what we can talk about is this under the table, hey, I'll donate a million dollars to Harry Sadu. And Harry Sadu is like, you know, pretending he's all innocent, but he can't be that innocent if he resigned from his job. No, there, you know, like I said, three things already Moreno's done well. He's marketed the team properly. I hate that we, we don't we don't play in Los Angeles. I hate that too. But these Angels fans were like, we need to go back to Anaheim, build a bridge and move on. It's never ever going to happen. You yeah. know, and, and it's a lot more common than people think it is to claim a region that you don't technically play in. The Jets, the Giants, they don't even play in the state of New York. No, they in, you know, Jersey, baby, East Rutherford. Yeah, and they're, you know, granted it's three, four miles away. But still, it's a completely different thing. Yeah, it's technically two hours because of the traffic, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's only a couple of miles. Yeah, exactly. You know, I hate I would, going there every month. <laughs> I would say Mike Trout signing a lifetime deal is probably something Artie Moreno did well, even though you could okay. probably – give that to Billy Epler, but ownership. So that's two things, right? Cause I'm sure you're going to agree with me on the LA angels thing. He did market the team correctly in the sense of now they're worth a lot more money. You need money to sign players, you know, to bad contracts. I'm always, 50, I'm always on the fence about it. Like I get like my mind and my brain knows why Artie Moreno did it. LA okay. more money. This does it make sense in the grand scheme of things? Do I wish they were either California and Anaheim because of where they are? Like the Anaheim Ducks aren't the LA Ducks. They didn't claim that region. So yeah. you can, you can have that argument. So it's to me, I just want it to be clean. I don't want LA angels of Anaheim or this, just make it clean. Just as long as the name is clean, whatever the case may be. So for him to market it in an LA market and get money for it, I'll consider it a win. Mike Trout is definitely a win no matter what. But let's take a look. What is the third thing Artie Moreno has done? Keep food and beer prices the same? Yeah, he <laughs> when he first took the team over, he lowered the price of beer. Like he's, you yeah. know, he's still hoping to live off of those good graces. You know, this false narrative about Artie Moreno being a winner and, you know, he cares and nobody wants to win more than Artie. That's not the truth, guys. That's just corporate fluff that you guys, and I don't mean you guys as, as in the bulk of our audience does not like Artie Moreno, no. but you know, you get those fanboys who love Artie Moreno. You know, this yeah. guy, Roger here is one of the yeah. biggest ones, you know, and granted, yeah, he's the guy who signed your paychecks, but I was just about to say, I, he, you gotta, sometimes you gotta kiss the boss's ass a little bit. You know, and, and maybe I have an unfair advantage because I'm high enough for my company where I don't need to kiss my boss's ass, you know, I can go up to him and, you know, we're essentially, I'm able to tell him the hard things because I worked my way up to the company. So I, I'm in an unfair position there, but I mean, how many of us legitimately go around every single day kissing our boss's ass the way he does? 
you know, I'm not even talking about laughing at your boss's joke. Like I'm saying this guy like has knee pads ready in his office <laughs> and no disrespect. That's fine. You know, you do whatever you got to do to keep your job. But I mean, it's, it's not noble what he does. Like it's okay to criticize your boss. Yeah. You got to do it every once in a while. But at the end of the day, what has to happen is, and we've said this for a long time, the truth needs to be exposed in Anaheim. And I'm going to use Anaheim because that's where technically the city, uh, where the land, where the stadium currently sits, resides. The truth needs to be pulled back. And I think if the Angels, and we've talked about this a million times, this is beating a dead horse, but whenever a new owner comes, we hope in the best case scenario, there is a changing of the guards and it's for the better with this organization. The stadium needs to be redone. There needs to be improvements. I would, lo- I would love to see the Angels stay in Anaheim. I feel the Angels don't need a new stadium, just upgrade it. There's, there's no need to move the team to Irvine or Tustin or wherever else they put, or Long Beach or wherever they want to go. The Angels just need to be better. Doesn't have to be brand new, just be better. Yeah, it doesn't matter how bad the stadium is. If you're winning, people go. Yeah, take a look you at, know. you know, take a look at what, you know, let's be real. Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park is historic. Is it the best stadium in the world? You know, structurally, probably not, but people flock to it. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things. Wrigley's a bad example. Wrigley's actually a really nice ballpark. They they also just like massively redid it. Yeah. So Wrigley, you know, Wrigley before the remodel or the upgrade. Wrigley was falling apart. It was falling apart. But did people still go to it? Even during or even during the curse? You damn right they did. So I think it's just one of those scenarios. Remember, for years, the Angels had 3 million fans plus, excluding this year and COVID I, year. I, I'm glad that that finally got broken up so we could stop hearing about that. That used to get so annoying. Like, oh, we got 3 million fans again. You know, you know that's, how many and, and people you, actually came to the turnstiles? Exactly. It's paid attendance, not actual click attendance. Yeah, exactly. You know... Here's the thing, man. You have to be able, you, Roger Lodge, you are a sports journalist. You have to call things out in the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what your contract is. I'm assuming he doesn't have the ability to talk trash about him right now because, you know, he probably would lose his job. Yeah. But, you know, you shouldn't hang up on a caller because they're saying, hey, it's not right what they did to the Skaggs family. You know, you should have at least paid out Carly Skaggs, you know, for whatever years of arbitration Skaggs had left. Given given the family something, you know, because you are directly involved in this one way or the other. Somebody died under your organization's watch because, you know, somebody was illegally giving Tyler Skaggs narcotics. Correct. It's, you know, there's, there has to be some sense of guilt there. No. I, clearly not. Maybe there is, and it's behind closed doors, and we're never going to know about it. But again, at the end of the day, a business is a business, and some people got to be cutthroat and do what they got to do. And Artie Moreno seems like that type of person where he's going to hide and be cutthroat, and other people have to fall on the sword for his decisions. We saw that this year with Perry Manassian constantly taking blame for the struggles that the Angels had. It was tough to see. It was tough to watch, but he had to do it because guess what? At the end of the day, a job had to be done and he could not keep hearing the noise and he just had to bite the bullet and move on. 
but that seems like every Angels GM in recent history, that they've all had a fall in the sword at the same time. So it's just an interesting theme for me to think about of Manassian versus Dombrowski, where the Angels would be if Dombrowski was GM. But again, at the end of the day, as we both said, Dombrowski's boss would have been Artie Moreno. So maybe if Manassian went to the Phillies, they could be still in the same position they are now, regardless of who their general manager was. We'll never know. You saw what Billy Upper did when he went to the Mets and he got an owner who A, cares about the team, B, lets his general managers do his job. I mean, the Mets had a successful year. Did they make it to the World Series that they probably wanted to? No, but also there's every other team in baseball who wants to also make it to the World Series. Sure, the Pirates and A's didn't spend any money this year, but they still probably wanted to get to the World Series. That's the goal. Take a look at the Angels' last two GMs. Epler, like you said, with the Mets, and Depoto with the Mariners. They both are succeeding in their ways with their respective organizations. I know Tony Regan's, he's doing stuff with Team USA for the World Baseball Classic, and you know Team USA will do fabulous, especially with Trout and Harper and all those names. Come on, like Trout's going to have Ken Griffey Jr. this spring be his hitting coach for Team USA. I'm already calling it now. Trout is going to be top three voting, if not winning, AL MVP next season. He's going to take everything he learns from all these terrific players in the World Baseball Classic and bring that to his game this season. So I'm, I'm already predicting a Trout MVP, if not a top three voting MVP year, and Trout hopefully can stay healthy for all of 2023. Yeah, uh, so Brett McGuire was on Locked on Angels. Uh, they were talking about what to expect out of Mike Trout. They were talking about if you can get over 140 games out of Mike Trout, that's probably what to expect out of his career here on yeah. out. And, you know, I don't think that's unrealistic. You know, they're right. You're not going to see Trout anymore for 150 games, 160 games. You know, he's not going to play every day anymore. No. You know, the guy has been doing this for over a decade now. You know, father time is undefeated, and I don't think he's at that stage of his career where you know he needs to hang him up. Hey, he told everybody to calm down after the back supposed career-threatening back injury that he was supposedly going through this year. And he yeah. still racks up 40 home runs. So pump the only the thing that was career threatening was the fact that he had to carry this team on his back for the last decade to that's, essentially no avail. <laughs> exactly. Hey, he had a, that's the cause of the back injury folks. That's the cause. Yeah. He had to carry yeah. this team post injury, but you yeah. Know, and because of Roger Lodge and his <laughs> big mouth, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, just with the angels. Again, I know we're talking in relation to the world series and where the Phillies are at and where we wish the Angels were at at this point. Because, um, you know, the, the topic's been talked about. When the Angels and the Phillies met up at the beginning of June this year, both these teams had just fired managers, or the Angels were about to fire Joe Madden. But Joe Madden, yep. Both teams were going in south directions, losing streaks, and the Phillies swept the Angels. Their season turned around. The Angels went the other direction, and it was a tale of two seasons at that point. So what the Phillies to the Angels fans or what the Angels could have been if the ship got turned around potentially. Could they have beaten the Astros in the playoffs? God only knows. But we, it, it, we're living vicariously through the Phillies right now, and I think everybody's hope, except for the state of Texas, no offense, since you're living there now, wants the Astros hey, to lose. Hey, I live in Dallas. <laughs> you're with Dallas you're with- people hate the Astros, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> 
you're in you're in Dallas Maverick, Dallas Stars category there. But you know, in, in 49 states, truthfully, want the Phillies to win, and the yeah, Astros, absolutely. and no more than the the market of Los Angeles wants the Phillies to win. So, in the grand scheme of things, as we record this, Phillies are down three games to two after two tough losses, a no hitter, and then a three two. You know, Ram Muto could have had that game tying our you know, hit in the right center, but a great catch in right center field by Chaz McCormick, you know, the series could be different. It could be three, two going back to Houston, but Phillies have a lot of work to do. Do I think at the end of the day, let's boil it down to this. Do the Phillies win both games and take the world series? Yes or no. Cause that's what they have to do. I think we get a game seven. I just, I, I can't, you know, the Phillies that are, have had too much fight for the bulk of the series for them to just, you know, get down on their backs. Cause I mean, even yesterday's game was a pretty good game. They lost what? Three, two, three, two. It was close. Yeah. And it came down to what a warning track shot, a warning track shot, a great catch by Chaz McCormick. If he misses it games tied and who knows if Philly walks at all, you know, whatever the situation may be in the eighth and ninth inning. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, a three, two Phillies league. Yeah. But oh. it for, for, conversation sake game six zach wheeler against framber valdez and if there is a game seven well right now it's tbd for both sides so it's it's interesting i would love to see the phillies win and take game six and and make that crazy anticipation game seven as we all love um for my brain and the prediction sake that we put together i said astros in six so it would nail the hypothesis right on money um but i would rather my hypothesis be wrong than yeah. having the astros win at this point so yeah i mean we had somebody on the comments how can angels fans cheer for the astros and i'm like we're not cheering for the astros it's just it's a prediction it's just you know what i mean i'm my not gonna brain, my brain and my heart say two different things my heart and my body says phillies i want it especially for marsh and Syndergaard and all those factors but looking at it on paper and looking at stats, the Astros are too tough to tame. And yes. it, it, you know, it could be that case. Could I see it going either way? Yes. Unfortunately, I feel my brain is saying, regardless if it's game six or seven, the Astros are not going to lose it at home again. They did it last year to the Braves. They ain't going to do it again this year, two years in a row. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be a, an interesting ending to this season regardless. And no matter what, I, Philly has played a hell of a series. Yeah, they got no hit and that kind of sucked. But with the exception of that, I mean, you know, it's been a very, very competitive series. They shocked the St. Louis Cardinals who had Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols retiring and Adam Wainwright. But Wainwright pulled the Brady and said, I'm coming back for one more year. Yes. Um, then they go out. And they take out the San Diego Padres. That was amazing. And they took out the Atlanta Braves, the reigning World Series champions. So at the end of the day, they got through three incredibly tough teams. And to be perfectly honest, I think if the Dodgers had beaten the Phil, uh, pardon me, if the Dodgers had beaten the Padres, I still think the Phillies would have beaten the Dodgers. I still think the Phillies get in because of how hot they were at the time and the Phillies had their the Dodgers number through the regular season so regardless if the Phillies win or lose if they lose this is a terrific season for them they have nothing to hang their hats on and they have I think 
have just put themselves in an opportunity to go sign some quality free agents to even better their chances going into next season. Because you know Dave Dombrowski, he is willing to sign and he's willing to trade. So you never know what can happen. I think that at least the window for the Phillies by, the, by what they've done this postseason, the window for the Phillies has now opened for the next, I would say, three to four seasons. Especially Harper, it still plays like Harper can play. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have some some key pieces there that are still controllable. I mean, you know, they obviously have their new exciting center fielder in the in Brandon Marsh. Yeah. And he's controllable for them. You know, and then finally tying it back to the Perry thing. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Logan O'Hoppy for uh for Brandon Marsh, that's a trade that that's what gets you fired in, you know, in a couple of years. And that trade doesn't pan out and Perry's still around. You get fired over a play like over a trade like that. You really do. You don't get to linger around if you yeah. pull the trigger on that and you get stuck with the dud. If lo- that's what Logan O'Hoppy turns out to be. Yeah. Brandon Marsh was the Angels number two prospect for a long time. Him and Adele were coming up at the same time. And at, at a certain point, Marsh had hopped Adele in the top prospect category to be number one. Correct. So it wasn't like Brandon Marsh was just a lucky find in the draft. Yes, a Cole Calhoun, essentially. Or a Jared Walsh. He wasn't that. He was a uh-huh. high draft choice that was a top five prospect for a very long time in this organization. So yep. if you're trading him to get Ohapi, it's got to work. And I know it's not going to, I'm not going to say, it's not going to pan out in 2023, I believe. Because Stassi's under contract and Ohapi, I feel, it was great to see him in an Angels uniform the last couple of weeks of the year. Do I think he deserves for his development since he's so young? He needs to be at AAA the majority of the season. Get your reps, get your quality. Let Matt Thice be the backup catcher because it's a perfect transition. A couple of days ago, or if it was today or yesterday, Chad Wallach cleared waivers. He's a free agent. Yep. So the Angels will not be having him, which again – opens up a spot at AAA for Ohapi to be the number one catcher. Chad Wallach was the number one catcher for AAA Salt Lake. Feist was more of a first baseman that played catcher every once in a while. So that move to me really says Feist is going to be the backup catcher to Stassi. Stassi's not going anywhere. Otani loves pitching to him. Feist also provides depth at first base behind Jared Walsh, which is good. doesn't take up two roster spots. And then gives Ohapi at least April, May, June, and July. Once we get to August and the trade deadline, depending where the Angels at, if he comes up and Thice, whatever happens, you could give three and a half solid months of Ohapi at the AAA level to be a quality bat and defensive, analytically driven catcher that the Angels want him to be. Give him the opportunity. Do not rush and do not screw it up because if you screw up Ohapi, like you said, that's a fireable offense if you made that trade. Yeah, I mean, time will tell for everything. You know, yeah. um, I, I like what, what I saw out of Logan Ohapi, and I'm really, really hoping that trade pans out. We've said it before. The Angels have lacked a legitimate young catcher who they've been able to actually keep and have control over. Price since Mike Napoli? Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't around for long. No, you know, and then you know you've got guys like you know Hey Conger, Jeff. Well, Jeff Mathis stayed around Jeff a Mathis, little yeah. bit, but again, he wasn't no bat to show for. But hey, he has a ring, so congratulations to Jeff. <laughs> exactly, he he has a ring, and we don't. Yeah. So 
again, in the grand scheme of things, time will tell for a lot of things. And this offseason, as we've said numerous times, you guys, the fans that listen and watch are probably sick and tired of hearing this, but they probably agree with us. This, this offseason is important, but we're not, we're going to go in with low expectations because again, we're in the middle of a potential sell of a team right now. So the window for the Angels is, I don't want to say closing, but has it ever been open? It's an interesting situation for the Angels. But again, the window's closing. The window, I mean, in theory, you lose Otani after this year. That's in theory. That's assuming there's no kind of re-sign. And as of right now, let's assume there is no re-sign. You have to make it work this year to either A, to do something because Otani's leaving, or B, show Otani that you're truly committed to winning. This organization has not shown him and Mm -hmm. really hasn't shown Mike Trout that they're committed to winning. You know, they have not had a direction the last decade. No. I said it earlier this show. I said it like 30 minutes ago. Correct. You know, they've been getting these, you know, low-level guys and hoping to have these stopgap options. You don't always need to go out there and sign the big-name free agent. You don't need to go out there and get Redone. You don't need to go out there and get Carlos Correa. But if you're not going to get those big-name pieces, then get the right pieces in. I mean, they signed Zach Cozart in 2018 for crying out loud. Zach Cozart? He had one good year, Dominic. The Angels are notorious for finding a guy who had a, I guess you could say a blip on the radar, one good year, and think, like I've said this about Artie Moreno, I always feel he preaches, let's find the next diamond in the rough so we get credit for bringing Resurrecting their career. You know, resurrecting their career. He tried that with Tim Lincecum. He tried that with Zach Cozart. He tried that with Julio Tehran and Trevor Cahill. It wasn't working. Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. It's just not, you are not, we, I mean, not, maybe not so much Artie. We are not that organization. No, we're not the athletics. You know, we're not the, the, the Rays. I'm also the devil Rays. It counts too. Throwback. Throwback. But the, we are not that organization, you know, hot, hot take here. If the Angels somehow screw it up and not bring back Otani after this season, the only way to somehow right that wrong is to go out next offseason and sign the top three free agents, like the top two pitching free agents and the best and the best bat. That's the only way. You're going to have to spend and, and literally empty the pocketbook because there's no replacing Otani. We know that. The only way to do it is to get the two top pitchers and the top bat to support and somehow find a way to replace Shohei Shohei's value. Yeah. And it's tough because no team in history has ever lost Shohei Otani. So how do you replace Shohei Otani? But with the same breath, we can all probably admit that if you re-sign Otani with the amount of con, uh, the amount of money he's going to get, in three or four years, we're going to be talking about the contract not being worth it anymore. It's probably going to be a long-term deal. You know, let's just say it's a seven, eight-year deal. The last three, four years are going to suck at that contract. Now, it's a lot easier to, you know, suck it up and pay a ton of money for a declining player after you've won two rings. Mm-hmm. Correct. Winning solves everything. Absolutely. You know, we can all live with it. I mean, you mean to tell me that if the Angels didn't win a World Series in 2012, 2014, and maybe made it one additional time but lost, 
while they had Upton and they had Pujols during that, you know, 10 years where we, where we had Pujols and then the last, what, like four years that we had Upton. You mean yeah. to tell me with all that money being put towards those players, if we won a World Series, people would care? No. No, Actually, we'd be all. celebrating Pujols. We'd be celebrating Upton. You It'd know what I mean? These guys would be... Exactly. It, a completely different conversation. Artie Moreno's probably not selling the team. Why? Because, you know, he's made a lot of money off of these World Series tickets. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about celebrating the 20th year since the Angels' first title. We yeah, can, who cares about 2002 anymore? Well, we can because it's a goal, you know, 20th anniversary. But then a couple months later, we could be celebrating five-year anniversary since this. Or, you know, you would have more than just one. Yeah, Again. but you you see what I mean though. If you're yeah. winning, if you have three, four, five rings, nobody cares about your first anymore. Cool, great. Hey, that happened. But hey, I want to win these new ones. Look you know at the, what I mean? Look at the Giants when they won three out of six years. Every other year it was San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco. Yeah, who cares what we did in New York? That that, that didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. You can erase or just push back the narrative a little bit to the present day, and the Angels have not been able to do that yet. So, again, there's a lot of Again, the, I feel the Angels are playing checkers while everybody's playing chess. It's just a game that we're not at the table. We're at the table, but we're not. We're we're people watching at this point. You know, <laughs> we we're people watching the best we can and trying to be the little brother that says I can do this, and the big brother saying, No, you can't. We got Trout. We got Otani. Yeah, but you're not in the playoffs. Like, the Angels got invited to a pool party, yet they don't know how to swim, and they forgot to bring their floaties. <laughs> the greatest metaphor I will ever put together on a live stream or a podcast. You better believe that will live in infamy. Yeah, right. Um, the Angels got invited to the shooting range, but they've never shot a gun before. Or they were, or they get, and they're they trying were, to impress the cute girl in the corner. They hey, were, give, what's they this? were given uh, no, they were given no bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were given a squirt gun and everyone else has a, you know, I, I don't want to military guns. We'll just uh, say they have military, we- military weapon to water guns. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. The angels are severely <laughs> behind, the but you know, it, it's going to be a long off season. We've said this a numerous times. I know people are probably tired of us saying it, but it is true. And I know as we now get into November, Thanksgiving's coming up. The winter meetings in San Diego were coming up very soon. So I know the prediction game between myself, you, Todd, Randy, everybody's going to be coming out really soon of what the Angels can do to right the wrongs of the last couple of years and find a way to somehow make 2023 worth it for Trout and Otani and essentially better the future of Angels baseball. Yeah, Randy's been doing the prediction game for months. I mean, and if his prediction doesn't include Shane Bieber, it's not a real Randy <laughs> prediction. Yeah. It has to have a Shane Bieber it prediction. Has to, yeah, Shane Bieber. And, you know, the greatest thing about it would be if Shane Bieber became an angel and uh, Justin Bieber sitting right behind home plate, Bieber, Bieber versus Bieber. You know, that would, that, would, that, would make some, that would make some angel fans just cringe with happiness. But, I don't know if it cringe with happiness, but cringe is definitely something that would happen. Well, Randy, Randy would cringe because Shane Bieber would be on the mound. So, you know, yeah, that's he, that's he would be the happiness. I love, Shane. <laughs> I love Shane. But, you know, the Angels, I, I have a, a couple of theories that we'll probably get into another podcast of what the Angels could do to better themselves, you know, not just pitching, not just offensively, but the whole grand scheme of things. But 
it's going to be very interesting. The Angels got to do something if it's small, if it's big. But like you said, it, it can't just be a move. It has to be quality and it has to be the right move for the team right now. Not five years from now, right now. This is what this team is about. Yeah, this is where Perry, I think, really makes a name for himself because I don't think Perry's going to have an open checkbook. You know, I think things are going to be a little tight. He's going to have to maneuver some things. And I think this offseason is going to be based on trades more so than free agents. The Angels will sign about two or three free agents, but I don't think they're going to be the names that people are, are expecting. You know, it's the not po- going to be Carlos Correa. It's not going to be Gene yeah. Segura. The pocketbook will be open, I think, for one I don't want to say pricey player, but one player of money value and the oh. rest will be just kind of filler type filler, yeah. kind of bargain. I don't want to say bargain bin, not like the Trevor Cahill bargain bin, but maybe like the. They'll uh, get like, Lorenzen back type of thing. Yeah, maybe like they'll Lorenzen, talk to Thor again. Yeah. Lorenzen loop. Cause loop was two for 14. That was a fair deal. Like price wise, yeah. you know, I will say one of my predictions moving forward scenario, if I'm looking at, you know, the big board of what we could do, your vision board, my vision board, (laughs) one vision board that I have, oddly enough, I know angel fans might not like me after this does somehow include Carlos Correa. Now I don't, I don't like it, but you know, there's a little teaser for something that comes up in the future with, you know, Catella Chronicles and Halos in the infield. One of my vision boards has colors Correa, not because, oh my God, I love Correa, but with the Angels in a win now mentality and the era that we're in of baseball of the option, you know, five-year deal, but there's an option after the second, the fourth, and the fifth, you know, those type of player-friendly contracts. Maybe the Angels need to trade and do something, get some pieces back, and then take on a player-friendly contract that can at least help them win now and then we'll figure out the future when the future comes. So we'll see. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out a piece of shortstop. You know, I'm I'm not with you on that. I don't think they're going to get Trey Turner. I don't think they're going to get Carlos Correa. I don't think so I don't think it's going to be something like that. You know, should they look into that? Of course, yeah, they should. But, you know, they're going to have to trade for a piece. You know, I'm hoping it's not a Tyler Wade type guy. I'm hoping it's more of a, you know, Han Sung Kim kind of guy. I'm hoping it's somebody like that who – you know, has some experience who's not too expensive. They're going to come in here. They're going to give you good defense. They're going to bat 270. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I don't think they're going to go back there and get Anderson Simmons. No disrespect to Simmons, but he hasn't been good since the Angels let him go. No. So I I think just to give the viewers and the listeners a little taste of something without giving a reason why, straight uh, answer, no reason, one player – you want the Angels to get pitcher, infielder, outfit, whatever, one player on your vision board that you think not only you want, but that would help the team this upcoming season. One player. I have mine that I know of. So if you have to think, I don't know if you yeah, have Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, I'll go Definitely. first. Without giving reason why, we, we, we'll do this in the future. I will say why in the future. But just for the namesake, I want, and I think it's a beautiful fit, Give me Andrew Benatendi. Andrew Benatendi. Yeah, I I think he can really help the team. I mean, you know, he's been around. He's gotten to, you know, he's played in the East a lot, which obviously has some small ballparks. You know, he's he's had to face the cream of the crop, right? Because he was on the Yankees. Yeah. 
there, there's a reason why I say Andrew Benatendi. Um, again, I know he's a little bit older. He's actually not as old as I thought he was. He just came up in the league extremely young with the Red Sox. But without saying and, and giving bullet points why, I would love the Angels to go out and get Andrew Benatendi. The only reason I will say is this. He's not going to be, you know, a $300 million man. He's a more money-friendly type player. That would be my only, I'll give you a sub-reason for context purposes. Uh, this one is one that is going to be very far-fetched, but I really want to see him in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Johan Duran from the Twins. Oh. Uh, 57 games, two wins, four losses, 1.86 ERA, 67.2 innings pitch. What more do I need to say? Is he a free agent? No. Okay, he's so that would be a trade. So he's yeah. a controllable trade that we would have to get. Yeah, he's somebody who I really he, – he made his debut this year. Oh, okay, so he's a very young – yeah, okay. so I, I he he's a I'd like to see a guy like him. He's got a really really electric fastball, almost like a uh, God. What's his name? Uh, Classe from the Guardians. Oh yeah, that's a dynamic back end. Yeah, of he's one of those sure. kind of back end of the bullpen yeah. pitchers. So the Angels need somebody young and hungry like that. Maybe they have it in Ben Joyce, but there's really no way to know until Ben Joyce gets his chance. But you know, I, I don't want to bring Ben Joyce up too quickly either. Yeah. You know, same thing as Logan O'Hoppy, you know. You you gotta let these guys cook and maybe overcook. Let them marinate a little bit. I love a good medium rare steak because when you cut through, it's beautiful. You gotta yep. let it let it happen. But speaking, I know this is gonna get off topic a little bit, but I've been thinking about this for a while, looking at the back end of the Angels bullpen now that the Angels don't have a closer anymore due to Rice being traded to Atlanta. Hey, they have the Slim Jim. <laughs> we do have Slim Jim. I still believe Slim Jim is our closer for next season. I love Agreed. him. Um, recent Angels closers rank these closers from best to worst. Okay. Brian Fuentes, Jordan Walden, Ernesto Frieri, and Houston Street. Who was the second guy? Jordan Walden. Okay. His, he, his, had the, his, he had that very herky-jerky kind of jumped when he kind of pitched glove up to the chin and kind of a big jump. You'd have to maybe get a visual on him. Yeah. Jordan Walden, but Brian Fuentes, the lefty side armor, Ernesto Frieri, that big trade. Um, and he had an electric fastball. And then we flipped him for Houston street a couple years later. And yeah, Houston, to the Padres, I think to the Padres and Houston street was good for a couple of years. Then, you know, father time took over and then Jordan Walden was supposedly the heir apparent, and he didn't quite pan out a lot of command issues. You know, I could have thrown Kevin Jepson in the mix as well, but I'll go Jordan Walden because everybody thought Jordan Walden was going to be the next, you know, Frankie Rodriguez at a certain point. Uh, I mean, Walden with the Angels had a pretty good ERA. I mean, 3.06 in three years. I mean, you know, it's pretty serviceable. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, only 114 innings pitched. So by default, I'm probably going to put him last just because of the um, usage. Uh, yeah, the usage and the uh, and the amount of innings pitched that we've got to see. Um, uh, Houston Street, I'm probably going to put second. I'll probably put. Let's see, who knows? 
It's a, it's a depthy question. It's really a- it, it, it's a very very <laughs> loaded question. I mean, Houston Street. I'm almost tempted to put last because I feel like we never really got to see the best of Houston Street. He was good with the Rockies. He was good with the A's. He was decent with the Padres. But with the Angels, I mean, we saw what maybe one solid year of Houston Street. And besides that, he sat on the DL. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'd have to look at his um, stats specifically. I know the year he came over in the trade, that second half of the year, he was great. The following year, he was legit. I think after that, he started taking a turn for the worse. Here's here's Houston Street stats for those that are that are joining us. Yeah, playing along. When he traded, when he was traded over to the Angels, it was his age thirty season. He went one and two with a one point seven one ERA in twenty eight appearances. And he saved 17 games. Not bad. Next year, went 3-3 three and three in 62 appearances with a 3.18 ERA and had 40 saves. Okay, I can take it. 2016, he went 3-2 and two with a 6.45 ERA. 26 games. That was an injury-filled year with only nine saves. And then he pitched in four games in 2017 before he said adios. So pretty much about a year and a half of good baseball, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, and with Ernesto Freire, he had a 3.80 ERA with the Angels in 154 innings pitched. And with the Padres, had a 2.33 ERA. Yeah. So we never really saw the best of him either. And Brian Fuentes, for, you know, to add him into the mix, Two years with the Angels, he went five and six, a 3.76 ERA in 104 appearances, and he had 71 saves and 93 in a third innings. Eh, you know, serviceable. Serviceable, and he had 85 strikeouts in two years. So you pretty much have four serviceable. Media, servi- <laughs> yeah, four serviceable closers, and it's really there is no oh definitively. That's the guy. There yeah. is no definitive. If I had to rank them, I would probably say based on, I guess if you whittled away the bad years and only looked at their good years, I would probably say Houston Street at one as the best because for that year and a half, he was legit. He, he had no issues. I know that the last two years suck, but based on serviceable time, he would be then uh, first. Frieri, that lateral moving fastball was fantastic. When he was on, he was on. Then I would go probably Walden and then Fuentes. That yeah, would be but my keep in fourth. mind, we're talking about Houston Street, who was getting paid a lot of money. You know, <clears throat> it, it, you know, like I said, maybe you flip Frieri, you know, prime Frieri with, with back-end veteranship Houston Street at that time. You know, it again, they're four serviceable players that really didn't stand out. They had maybe a few moments, but they didn't stand out in a large chunk of time. So I think that's what makes those four back-end guys, since Francisco Rodriguez in the Troy Percival days, really a head-scratcher because, let's be real, after Frankie left, those were your four. Kevin Jepsen was kind of a closer. You had Rysel was a closer. You know, there wasn't really much close. Hansel Robles, Blake Parker, Keenan Middleton, Ty Buttry. It was know, just, there was a lot of stopgap guys. Yeah. Hansel there, Robles was legit there for a minute. You know, there, but there, there's been serviceable players, but not a lockdown. This is our closer out of the whole group. I can point him out and say, 
that's the number, the best of that group. There really hasn't been one probably since 2021's version of Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, and that's what the Angels are really going to miss. <clears throat> yeah, hopefully, you know, if Aaron Loop can bounce back and Ryan Tapera can have a bounce back year and Jimmy Hergit continues to do what he does best. If they all can have good years, the Angels have a, I'm not saying they have the best back end of the bullpen, but we saw when Loop was on in April and early May, he was un, untouchable. Ryan Tapera in April was untouchable. And Jimmy Hergit later in the year, the Frisbee was, was flying. So if those Absolutely. three guys can play at those capabilities, the Angels' bullpen, I would back end of the bullpen, I would say is top seven, at least top ten in baseball. Yeah. If they all can perform. But that was just a thought I had in my brain of serviceable closers we've had in the past that were mediocre at best, but still an interesting conversation to throw out. Maybe, maybe we'll throw it out to the fans on a Halos in the infield question on Instagram one day. Yeah, you know, I know during the offseason, I only do a couple of questions a day here and there just because yeah. it's impossible to come up with 365 <laughs> questions of the day. It's insane. So, yeah, we'll during create, the season, we'll, I do it, but we shall. You know what we can do starting January 1st? We will create a Halos in the Infield Catella Chronicles calendar. You know, like those calendars where you flip and there's like a quote of the day or a question. Uh, yeah, uh, we, will, we will do that for 2023. Maybe that will turn the Angels and Ducks season around. And there have a go. question of the day for 365 days. Let's Man, make you that should under- be doing a Ducks question of the day every day. Why don't you? Maybe that is something, you know what? At least on game days, you should do it. You know what? I will take that as a challenge. Let's do it. Hey, it's Todd Fox here. Do you want a cash offer for your house? Fair price for your house buys homes no matter the condition of the home or circumstances. Whether you're getting a divorce, need extensive repairs, or behind on your payments, Fair Price for Your House will give you the cash offer within 24 hours of receiving your info and pay you out in as little as seven days. No agents, no commission, no hidden fees, and best of all, no obligation. So now I'm just thinking, what the heck are you waiting for? If you're interested in finding out what your house cash offer is, give them a call now. Get your free no-obligation cash offer. The number is 562-455-7154. Once again, it's 562-455-7154, and tell them Todd Fox sent you. Okay, I'm not even a Ducks fan, and I I will answer these questions for you. You know, know, as we talk about Ducks, and I know you want to do a Ducks for Dummies portion of the podcast. I don't know if this is the perfect time to do it now. This is the time. This is a time as we as we get close, you know, closer to near the end of a, another great podcast between Catella Chronicles and, and Halos in the Infield. But right. something to think about, you know, you know, hockey season is upon us. And for us Ducks fans and Fernando, Mr. Uh, you know, Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes fan, <laughs> you know, it, it's been a tough sledding so far for the Anaheim Ducks. Three, seven and one in their first 11 games. Things have not gone the way I thought they would go early on. The Ducks are a rebuilding organization. They do have some superstar pieces in Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry. They have some veteranship in Frank Petrano, Ryan Strong, Cam Fowler, Kevin Shattenkirk, and they have great goaltending in John Gibson and Anthony Stolarz. The problem is the defense is 100% completely atrocious. They are giving up the second most shots on goal per game. They have the second least shots on goal per game for their offense. And their penalty kill unit 
is atrocious as well. You get a penalty, it's two-thirds of the time the other team is scoring more than once on the power play per game. That is not going to win games. The Ducks have shown this season. They have been able to score goals within their last two games. They scored five last night against Vancouver and six uh, in a shootout victory against San Jose. So 11 goals in two games, you think for hockey, when normally a normal average hockey game score is three to two. That's average in hockey these days. Maybe four to three if you have two high-powered teams. But the Ducks doing well. But here's the problem. The Ducks gave up eight goals last night to Vancouver Canucks, five to San Jose, and at times in the past this year, they've given up seven, five, four, and they're being outshot and giving up 40 or more shots on goal almost on a nightly basis. So it's not so much the youth problems and the, you know, the grinding the teeth and just losing leads. They have done that. They've scored a goal, tied the game, and literally less than a minute later, they give it up. It's been the lack of defense and defensive discipline that has really hurt the Ducks this season. Yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to win many games in hockey when, A, you're allowing, you know, 60-plus shots on goal, and you yourself are getting, what, 20 to 30 shots on goal. It's like the Ducks and the Coyotes kind of have the same problem this year. You know, A, you know, both uh, franchises have to tamper expectations. And that's the thing. Ducks fans know that your team is rebuilding, yet you guys already kind of have some young and fun talent coming up from the San Diego goals. Who, right. for those of you guys who, you know, Ducks for Dummies, who are still learning, that is the AHL, which is the minor league system a team of which the is, Ducks. Which would be equivalent to AAA Salt Lake for the Angels. Correct. Who's your uh, Western League team? My gosh. I remember back in the day when it was the ECHL, uh, the Ducks used to have the Utah Grizzlies um, back in the day. Let me see now. Ducks ECHL team. I want to get the name correct. It is the Tulsa Oilers. Okay. Is the basic, <laughs> okay. which would be considered the double A team of the Ducks. And then after that, it's Western Ontario. You, go, you get into Canada and it gets crazy from there. But just yeah. looking in the United States, the Ducks AAA team is San Diego, and their AA team is Tulsa Oilers. So, you know. And the then, Ducks, yeah, you get juniors, and yeah. You, you get, get juniors. You, you know, sometimes a, they get drafted and go play in college for four years, yet they're still under the Ducks contract. I don't know, man. You <laughs> know, yeah, h- hockey, when it comes to European stuff, they just love to have fun with contracts. But, you know, the Ducks <laughs> have some good prospects out, especially in San Diego, and one Sam Carrick coming back from you know surgery last season so he's on a rehab assignment should be coming back to the ducks really really soon which will help the ducks in a limited capacity i'm not saying it's going to save the season but it's always nice to have quality guys coming back from injury but the ducks are just going to be a team that is going to be fighting and grinding their way through you know through the majority of the season as i said Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry have been phenomenal points for the Ducks this season. Just their shooting and highlight ability has been something of wonder for the Ducks. And that's pretty much going to be the focal point of your organization since they are so young. Those are essentially your Mike Trouts and Shohei Otanis of the Anaheim Ducks right now. Um, it's, it, you know, and it's great to, it, you know, it's great to have that. It's not just, oh, there's really no superstar on this team and we're just watching a bunch of players just playing the game of hockey. Let me ask you this, and this is a question that you've 
have never had to answer in your life. Uh, what is going on with the Ducks and their uh, captain situation? Obviously, Getzlaff recently retired. So as of right now, there is no captain. Uh, do you have a sense of who that might be? The Ducks right now entering preseason, especially at the end of last season, once Ryan Getzlaff retired, there was a, a sense in the organization that right off the bat, there was no way anybody on this team was going to fill the shoes of Ryan Getzloff. He had been a part of this team for so long. He won a Stanley cup. He had been a part of so many successful teams, playoff teams that went deep. Um, and, you know, the effect that he had on younger players and in the Anaheim community was just too strong to just say, okay, he's gone. Let's move on. So they went into this season with three a captains you know you get the c and the two a so two assistant captains normally the ducks decided to go with all three assistant captains which on opening night it's been adam henrique uh jacob silverberg and cam fowler and they've Uh, all been there for quite a while and they've all been there fowler being there the longest so i thought that was a very nice touching tribute to ryan gets and i think it was the right move because again how do you replace somebody like ryan Gutzlov in four months that's incredibly difficult so they, the Ducks have been operated without a captain right now. And I know the veteran guys on this team have all done their work, especially with a heavy youthful team. At some point, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they're going to leave it be for this season and then go into next season and see where it goes. Does it really hinder where the Ducks are right now? I don't think so because Ryan Getzoff still lives in Anaheim. He's still in Orange County. Mm-hmm. He has been a part. He was at opening night. He's been to a couple different things. He still talks to the, you know, 75, 80% of this team on a daily basis. He talks to Terry. They golf together. They golf with Zegras. In Tamu Solani, who's a Hall of Famer, Ducks forever, he's in Orange County. He comes to games every once in a while and visits at practice. So that leadership quality is still within the organization. It's different but I don't think it's truly a hindering point to the Ducks right now with this team. Yeah, and, you know, I hate to keep on bringing back the Coyotes, but I think when uh, you the Ducks have had more success, but the Coyotes and Ducks are a lot more similar than people think they are. I agree. You know, the Coyotes had their Ryan Getzlaff in the, same, in the form of Shane Doan. Yes, we did have one captain after, which was Oliver ekman Larson. But that was kind of a throwaway. I think most Coyotes fans kind of knew that going yeah. in. And now they don't have a captain. They haven't had a captain for, what, three years now? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a sense in the organization that it will be Clayton Keller. And I do think Clayton Keller deserves to wear the C. I think he's done enough. You know, he, he tries to be involved in the community. But, you know, it really is hard to replace a set, you know a team legend. Yeah. You know, I think Ryan Getzlaff is going to get some Hall of Fame votes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ryan gets off, in my opinion, will get into the Hall of Fame. But he's I, not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? When you look at the stats, is he as strong as some other players? No. He does have a Stanley Cup, so that helps his cause for a lot of naysayers or voters that say you got to have a cup. You know, In his rookie year, right? In his rookie year. So it wasn't like he led a team. So it's yes. on the resume, but it, maybe it doesn't weigh as heavy. His stats, you know, he's a, you know, tops in a lot of stats in the Angels franchise history. So I think there's going to be a conversation to be had. If it's not first ballot, I would be thrilled if it's first ballot. 
But I think if it's not first ballot, at some point, Ryan Getzloff will be going to the Hall of Fame. I just think it's I, I, it would be hard for me to see Ryan Getzloff not getting into the Hall of Fame. But the Ducks did something un, based on unpopular opinion, not picking a captain after, you know, losing a captain. Most teams just kind of pick one. And like you said, like the Coyotes did, had a throwaway pick with Oliver uh, Oliver Larson. So, you know, I think the Ducks dared to be different, you know, as the Angels and Ducks do. You know, the Angels, let's not go to the playoffs. The Ducks, let's have a rebuild. <laughs> let's dare to be different these days. But yeah. I think it's, it's not something that's going to last forever. Um, you know, I, I still think the Ducks haven't announced it. I still think rather quickly the Ducks are going to be retiring Ryan Getzloff's jersey number this season uh, or, or next season. Within a very short future, it's going to happen because that tells you how much he meant to this organization um, from the day he was drafted to, to, you know, to the final game that I was at. And the Ducks seem to do a much better job incorporating their past players. And that's almost a complete opposite of what the Angels do. The Angels <laughs> do nothing for their alumni. You know, Rod Carew was was very open about it. Hey, yeah. I'd love to be involved with the Angels. They don't do anything. Scott Spezio, prior to him getting invited to Instructs, had said, hey, man, this organization never reaches out to me for anything. Yeah. You know, Scott Spezio, when he came on our show, made it very clear that he's interested he did. in a hitting job or whatever the Angels would offer him. He wants to get back in. Yeah. That's why the way the Ducks ownership runs that team is why I think the San- Henry and Susan Samueli, the Ducks owners, for those that might not know, I think would be a terrific piece of the puzzle in this Angels new ownership shirts, uh, search. Pardon yeah. me. I think I don't know if they have the amount of money to just go outright and buy it. I don't know they if they want to do that. It. <laughs> they could finance it. I think them in a group, but as long as they're a part of a group. Or if there is a singular owner they have become friends with and create a better personnel, you know, community with, the Samuelis are, I don't know them personally, but from what I've seen from an outsider's perspective, they are terrific people, treat the organization well, treat their fans well, and treat their players well, past and present players, which is something the Angels definitely need. And the Angels don't even do things like treat their um their uh season ticket holders well i mean you know ace is is a dedicated listener to the show uh mm-hmm. you know shout out to ace um she has told us multiple times that the angels don't do anything to help her they're like oh hey we're raising up your, your ticket prices you have till this day to commit and then like she used to get so many perks and stuff when like disney was running the yeah. organization and then Artie just doesn't care he's like oh, oh here's one chalk talk event you know, oh, yeah. you get a hot dog. And, you know, I, I heard that the Ducks do a lot more to take care of even the season ticket holders. The, the Ducks have a program, the Orange Alliance, which is their season ticket program. And there are events throughout the year with the Ducks. You know, I know they have their charity events, the Ducks and Tucks. And, you know, a lot of, you know, what they call, you know, after the first week of the season when the Ducks returned from their big East Coast road trip, they had a day off and they did face-off fest, which kind of opened the arena and outside of the arena, the fan or players were there to sign autographs. Season ticket holders had some perks to do that. You know, th- there is a lot that season ticket holders get perk-wise with the Ducks at Honda And that's Center. what it should be. Correct. It should be like that. The Ducks are more friendly. The Angels are more dry and yeah. we're going to shake. It's a business Shut up, transaction. where's my money? Yeah. It, the Angels are a business transaction. The Ducks are a family. 
but the difference is Artie Moreno was a businessman. Correct. Uh, not not that the Sam Wellies aren't. I mean, you know, they, they obviously make their money. Yes. But there's a big difference. Artie Moreno has always strictly been a businessman. I don't exactly know where the transition happened, but there was very there was a notable transition. Honestly, I think the Gary Matthews Jr. signing was really what started a change. That got the ball. That got the ball rolling. It got really toxic. We got a little power hungry. And then I think besides Gary Matthews, I think where we really saw from an outsider's perspective, a shift change of not just, uh, I guess you could say a theoretical and an emotional change was when the angels said goodbye to Tory Hunter and brought in Josh Hamilton after Tory Hunter he was the, you know, a heart of the Angels team. He was bring, he was that veteran leadership. Yep. And instead of signing him to a cap-friendly deal and maybe going to get a, a player that maybe was better suited for your team, as we've said already t- tonight, you go out and let him go to the wayside and sign Josh Hamilton, and we all know how that went. You yeah, know? who was coming off of one solid year. Yeah, but he, you know, it was one solid year, but all the Angels thought of was, well, he always bats extremely well against us, so let's pull him away from Texas, and maybe he'll do that to us, you know, for us. For us, um, yeah. And, yeah, well, you know, he didn't beat the Angels. He did other things. But, you know, you know, it doesn't work out that way. But, you know, the Ducks and the Angels are in two di- similarly in two same spots with the way the direction of the players and the team is right now, sort of in a rebuilding kind of middle of the road ownership wise completely two different two different opposite ends of the spectrum so it's interesting to see but again for the ducks fans out there there's going to be growing pains and three seven and one start in the first 11 games is not fun they're at the bottom of the pacific division bottom five in the national hockey league so hopefully times can change the ducks have a big homestand uh coming up after they finish uh, a road game with the san jose sharks tomorrow um and the Ducks are two and one at home this year. So 60.667% that the Ducks are winning at home. So there hopefully that means a good homestand coming up. Light the lamp. Light the lamp. That's all the Ducks can do. But uh, I do <laughs> like, uh, Fernando, you, you will get credit for the Ducks question of the day on game days. I will give you that credit. <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. <laughs> it was yeah, in man. the, you know, Ducks question of the day presented by Catella Chronicles, co-sponsored by Halos in the infield. Yeah, no, you can uh, po- you can either post it on the Halos in the infield page and just use the Catella Chronicles, you know, border, or you can just post it on the Catella Chronicles thing and I can repost on the Halos in the infield. So, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I think you need to roll with it. I, I think yeah. it's a, the question of the day is always a good way to get the fans involved. And yeah, uh, yeah the Ducks fans need something. They yeah. need because you, you know, guys do a good job of blending the cultures. We did. We, you know, I just we just po- I just posted out a. 11 game recap kind of what we've talked about how the defense has been struggling I'm not a huge fan of our head coach Dallas Akins right now and just kind of where the Ducks are through 11 games so you can go on to catellachronicles.com uh and and read that article it's on Instagram it's on Twitter so feel free to go look at it but you know it's it's a nice additive piece to our social media game as we as we say here well there you go and there you have it guys as always make sure to check out our friend over at Catella Chronicles. Follow them on all their social medias. 
Dominic and the rest of his crew do a great job over there of tying the Angels and Ducks world together. Uh, I, I, I've been hoping they were going to cover Disney at some point, too. I mean, you're Catella Chronicles. <laughs> cover the other thing on Catella. We're, we're, you know, we're at, we're at that point. If Disney continues to raise prices, maybe we'll just have to get some investigative stories into it. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, and while you're at it, while you're following them, make sure to give us a, a review on uh, iTunes. Uh, Catella Chronicles also posts their podcast. So all you have to do is follow Halos in the infield and you get double the trouble, baby. Double the pleasure, some... double the fun. There you go. <laughs> and, and double the us complaining. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Be prepared. The off season is here for angels. So can get ready for complaining and duck season is here. And so far through this start, there's a lot of complaining. So it just, it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. You, you, you want it, you know, it's that circle of life. Let's get excited. And then it falls apart. And that triangle of hope, continue to circle let's just say that ducks fans and coyotes fans are both hoping for connor bedard (laughs) that's all i can say it's a battle to the first pick of the draft yeah exactly we're we're hoping the lottery balls bounce um but yeah guys like i said make sure to follow both of our pages halo halos in the infield (laughs) and catella chronicles make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as you get both of our podcasts conveniently in one spot make sure to check out Catilla chronicles website to read their wonderful stories uh follow us on tiktok all that fun stuff blah 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 blah. like i said rate review the podcast tell a friend tell your mom tell your brother i don't care check out the merchandise (laughs) shop at redbubble.com type in fast times and uh i think that's it on behalf of all of us here we've hit all the promos good job yeah exactly i have to try i've always been i always try to remind myself in the beginning of the show to say hey make sure to rate review and i always forget so i'm not very good at that i'm also not very good at saying like follow us on twitter and all that you know we did hit over a thousand twitter followers which is cool but i never plug my personal twitter i'm oh, trying to get go. the lone star halo going at this point it's more of a coyotes account because you know the angels are yeah. in the off season. We're at but, that point. Hey, I can celebrate the Catella Chronicles Instagram page has hit 400 followers. Boom. We retweet a lot of your stuff. So guys, yeah. go follow Catella Chronicles. What are you doing? It's fantastic. Just, it's great. It's great. We're not, we're not multimillionaires, but hey, I'll take 400 followers. Good for us. At 500 followers, Dominic's going to shave his head. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. There, you heard it here first. Whoa, he's going to, he's going to ride his bike from Honda. He's going to ride his bike. From Honda Center, all the way to Angel there Stadium. There you go. And he's followers. gonna shave his beautiful hair. He's gonna shave his head. He's gonna be as bald as Todd himself. He's gonna look like a newborn baby's shiny head. Oh my God! The hair will be as prickly as Artie Moreno's mustache when it regrows. Oh, beautiful mustache. <laughs> all right, guys. That's enough out of us. Have a good night, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>